Hook em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. I woke up to the morning sky. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. You had better wake them up. Get them up. Get them going. It is 26th September Tuesday. And a lot to do. Five hours. Five days a week. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Goes right now. That's right. Rise and shine. Rise and grind. Rise and thrive. Whichever you're choosing this morning, we appreciate you doing it and appreciate you finding us wherever you do so each and every morning, all morning long, all day long on 1019 on the FM dial, AM 1260, of course. You real old schoolers, also you digital types. Love having you on the Horn app. Wherever you are, of course, here in the 512 or all over the world with that Horn app. Take us wherever you go. Touch of a button. You've got us. Also on our Twitch channel at hornfm.com, you can watch the show and the proceedings if you'd like to do that. Also, speaking of watching, go to our YouTube channel, the Horn on at the Horn Austin. You can watch there as well. As we say, five mornings a day, five days a week. Austin's only local morning sports conversation. And boy, do we have a lot to converse about. Two Monday Night Football games last night. A couple of huge baseball games out west. Had to stay up late to see the Astros and Rangers, but both found W's. We'll tell you how they got there. Also, the Longhorns now. Uh, five days out to that showdown with Kansas at DKR. A couple of ranked teams and a critical juncture of the Longhorn season. A promising 2023 season is underway, safe to say, with a 4-0 start, ranked third in the country. Uh, but this next couple of weeks will um, tell a lot of what this tale is all about in 2023 for the Longhorns. A couple of undefeated teams right now. The only other ranked teams in the Big 12 outside the Horns. Kansas at 24 and then Oklahoma at number 14 the next two weeks here in Austin and then at the Cotton Bowl. So uh, it's going to be a fun fun ride here today and all through the week to get you ready for that. Another big college football weekend coming, NFL. And, of course, we'll look back and recap what we saw last night. Week three in the NFL is in the books. There are three undefeated teams, and it includes not the Dallas Cowboys after their performance in the desert. The Philadelphia Eagles have joined two others. We'll talk NFL, talk baseball. Got the Ryder Cup coming up this week in golf, so we've got a lot to do. and appreciate you being there. I would say at this point, look across the desk in our shutdown corner and all those things, but uh, Rod Baber's not here this morning because uh, Ty Henderson, I got a phone call yesterday at about 2 in the afternoon that said, uh, actually I got a phone call and then a text from Rod Babers. It says, uh, it's happening, bro. For real this time, we're driving to the hospital. I'll keep you updated. Probably will not be on tomorrow morning. And then I never heard from Rod. So I'm assuming all is good. All is good, and uh, I'll get an update at some point. But Rod is not here. I'm uh, hoping he's holding his new baby daughter with, uh, you know, with, with a little you know, with a little hat they put on it and uh, the blanket they wrap it in, and uh, he's having a great, great morning. So we'll check in with Rod where we can. But uh, Rod not here. Ty Henderson is here. Nick Shuley is going to drop in coming up. Of course, our guy from the live music update, but also uh, Lifetime Longhorn, who was at Royale uh, Ivy's wedding over this past weekend. The wedding, the nuptials of one Royale Ivy. Uh, so he, he already told me he was the shortest person there by far, certainly on the, of the male species. Uh, so uh, we'll talk to, to Nick throughout the morning. Great guest lineup coming, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. But Ty, good to have you here, too. And uh, we ready to roll? Yeah. no, I'm, I'm Cranking I, it up? My Sex Panther pick of the night, night last night did not did not hit. You're struggling um, with your Sex Panther pick of yes, the night. Yes, start out hot, but, you know, it, it, we, can get, we can get things Gambling back on track here. Gambling comes and goes. It's like your <laughs> golf game, you know? It kind of comes and goes. Putting. Sometimes I think that you, might be the challenge this week, too, from what, from what me and uh, Jacob have talked about. Maybe a drive, pitch, and putt. Ooh, you a golfer at all? Yeah. 
All right. Dry pit. You can come out to uh, Onion Creek, my neighborhood, and uh, we can do that out there if you wanted to. The uh, the old fun dry pitch and putt challenge. Coming off of your punt, pass, and kick competition you had last week and lost to Casey Stutter. Uh, all right. Specs text line 512-337-3776. Contribute all morning long on the uh, conversations of the day. I will tell you that coming up at the bottom of this hour, uh, we're going to hear from the Kansas Jayhawks head football coach. Lance Leipold was on the radio station yesterday. Jim Rome in the noon hour yesterday had Lance Leipold on. We'll re-rack that for you. Uh, speaking of Jim Rome, re-rack. Uh, we'll hear that coming up to hear the thoughts of the Kansas coach. And it's amazing just how different these two programs are right now uh, than where they were a couple of years ago. We'll, we'll talk about that coming up in the headlines. But we'll hear from Lance Leipold. Also, we'll recap the Monday night games, talk some Rangers and Astros, and get you cranked up. Do want to thank those who serve, because Rod certainly would right now. Uh, all those that are up and at them like we are early. Uh, rise and thrive and uh, get after it and you you know work in the service industry of any kind we appreciate you so very much and certainly our first responders our military all over uh, the great state all over central texas and all over the world who do what they do so we can do what we do each and every day five hours a day five days a week let's get to the headlines trending topics get you caught up on the news of the morning as you're up and out top gun Rentals and lawn equipment bring it to you. Start with Texas football and what a difference a couple of years makes. Texas uh, would just as soon forget the last time the Kansas Jayhawks came to DKR. That was back in 2021. And, of course, they stunned the Longhorns 57-56 in overtime to put an exclamation point on a pretty awful 5-7 and season for Texas. Uh, they posted their only win over an SBS team that night in that year. They went 2-10. and 10. Fast forward to this Saturday afternoon where they're now third-ranked and 4-0 Longhorns. Those the 24th-ranked and 4-0 Jayhawks in a critical Big 12 matchup at his weekly Monday news conference yesterday. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian was clear that there's no need to look back for any motivation for this uh, year's edition. We've come a long way as a program and in a lot of phases, you know, schematically, you know, um, the roster, the culture, the environment at DKR, we don't have to go backwards. You know, we're going to keep forging forward and you know, we, we've, got, we've got a lot of goals that, that we're trying to obtain this year and we're trying to reach. We recognize Kansas is a good football team, but to try to make our guys feel bad for losing the game two years ago, that it, that it sucked for everybody, uh, I, don't, I don't know what benefit that is. got to focus on the task at hand, and that's playing this Kansas team because this Kansas team is a lot different than that Kansas team two years ago as well. Also yesterday, Longhorn linebacker Jalen Ford named the Reese's Senior Bowl's Defensive Player of the Week for his strong performance in Waco on Saturday. Ford led the Longhorns with eight tackles, one for loss, snagged a couple of intercept or second interception of the season. That's the sixth of his career already, fourth most for a linebacker in program history. Program also formally announced, as usual, the Red River Shootout game a week from Saturday at the Cotton Bowl. We'll kick off at 11 a.m. It's normal spot. NFL doubleheader on Monday Night Football to wrap up Week Three last night in Tampa. Philadelphia Eagles wallop Tampa Bay 25 to 11. They improved to three and zero on the young season. They joined Miami and San Francisco as the league's only undefeated teams through three weeks. Jalen Hurts threw for 277 and a touchdown through the air, one on the ground, his 29th rushing touchdown for his career already. Running back DeAndre Swift ran for 130 yards, his second straight big game in prime time. In Cincinnati, meanwhile. Bengals posted their first win of 2023 as they held off the L.A. Rams 19-16 in a rematch of Super Bowl 56. Since he quarterback Joe Burrow, who was questionable for the contest all week with that calf injury, did play, finished with 259 yards through the air, no touchdowns, no picks either. Joe Mixon scored the game's only touchdown on a 14-yard run in the third quarter. Bengals hounded Rams quarterback Matt Stafford all night, sacked him six times, intercepted him twice. Both teams are now 1-2. and two. 
Week four kicks off Thursday night with the Lions and Packers. Compelling game at Lambeau Field. Light night of Major League Baseball, only four games on the card, but in, they included a pair of huge wins for the Texas team out, teams out west in Anaheim. First place Rangers won their sixth straight game with a 5-1 win over the Angels. Adolis Garcia, Mitch Garver, and Nathaniel Lowe went back-to-back-to-back in the sixth inning to back a solid start from John Gray. Rangers maintained their two-and-a-half game lead over the Astros. Um, the Astros, of course, opened a critical series in Seattle, and, boy, they got up off the deck and got a win. Same score, 5-1. Houston got home runs from Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker early. Justin Verlander made it stand up. He allowed just three hits, took a shutout into the ninth. Astros extend their lead to a game-and-a-half over the Mariners for the final wild-card spot in the AL. Corn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to $100 off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero-turn mowers in stock this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Uh, astute uh, texture tie says, uh, is it really a challenge if the person making the challenge never wins? Kind of like, is it really a rivalry if no one, one side, it's one-sided? Why does Rice play Texas? <laughs> Why does Rice, you're like going JFK. JFK from the uh, old days. I like it. Because it's hard. That's it why is, we do it. Because it's hard. Because you're trying. Uh, the answer is for digital content. Clicks. Yeah, that's fun. I it's almost like, beat Casey. You almost I, beat. I didn't think that wing challenge was going to be as hard as it was. And Well, I, by the way, we're doubling back on that wing challenge, and we may go with a slightly less. Well, we're not going lightly less. I want to put you back at the table with 10 wings, not 25. I think the 25 scared you away, realizing that no normal person, well, you're not even a normal person, even a crazy person like you could not eat 25 wings in 10 minutes, even if they were completely just dry, just naked wings. That's Kobayashi-level stuff. Yeah, right that's there. like that's like a, a, a food-stuffing challenge. The challenge to the hot wings is bearing the heat while eating them quickly. Uh, so I think if we went back to Wings Up uh, there in the Hancock Center and just do 10, that you wouldn't be as intimidated. Yeah, I could do and, ten. I could uh, do ten in five minutes. Because I think you gave up because they were so hot, and you'd only threw four, and you got twenty more to go. I'm going to take you back and see if we can do ten. I'm down um, for that for okay, sure. Okay, and uh, yeah, so yes, the weekly challenges from Ty. We're going to do a little golf this week in honor of the Ryder Cup with a drive, pitch, and putt challenge. We can make that pretty fun as well. And. Weather looks pretty good for it. Weather looks pretty good for it. Uh, this says Ty just playing for clicks. That's right, man, like Dion. Yeah. And you're not playing for wins <laughs> like uh, Dan Lanning out there at Oregon, not doing that. Oh, man, I love it. The WWF or WWE. Somebody texted me yesterday to correct me and say, E, it's WWE. Well, I'm old enough to remember when it was WWF. It was the World Wrestling Federation. And I know it's changed along the way after I you know, grew up and stopped watching wrestling. Um, it, it, now it's WWE uh, Worldwide Entertainment. I don't even know what it's called now, but it was WWF when I was growing up. Like when all the local wrestling outfits, like Houston Wrestling and Dallas Wrestling, they all came together under with Hulk Hogan, and that was WWF. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big wrestling guy. Well, so. I, I, it's in my algorithm on Instagram, though. It's weird. I've been I've been watching a lot of old wrestling clips. It's amazing. It's what we're seeing. You know, Deion Sanders, the 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 receipts that are being kept. The the tra- I mean, I don't know that we've ever seen this much. In the media, talking between coaches, I mean, you got Ryan Day shouting down eighty-six-year-old Lou Holtz for crying out loud. Uh, Lou Holtz, you know, going bold and making picks. Dion, Dan Lanning, uh, these coaches, man. Um, the coaches around the country are definitely realizing that it it, it works. Yeah, well, it's, it's getting attention. It's getting the recruits' attention. National media. I mean, any press is good press. Yeah, at this pretty point. pretty clear that there's a. Uh, a an understanding of how the, how the game may needs to be played at some times. I don't think we're going to get a lot of that from Steve Sarkeesian and uh, Lance Leipold. 
Uh, safe to say. Uh, we're going to hear from Lance Leipold coming up. If you're just tuning in, Lance Leipold was on the Jim Rome Show yesterday. We'll let you hear that conversation. It's pretty insightful into what uh, what Texas is dealing with on Saturday. And I mentioned it in the headlines that just how different these two teams are. And obviously that loss back in 2021 was an embarrassment. That was a bad season. Let's be clear about that. Uh, that was a terrible year for Texas. They went 5-7. and seven. It was Sark's first year. And as we, we now can recap... You know, there was a lot, you know, a lot of guys not buying into the new new regime. It was uh, Sark was trying to set down and set his culture in year one and wasn't going to budge from it. And so you're either getting on board or you were getting out. And, um, you know, that led to some some really tough times. There were quarterback issues as well. And it wasn't it was, you know, the depth was a problem. Offensive line depth, just defensive depth. They went five and seven. And and Ty, that was as embarrassing a loss as you can remember. Because remember, the only other win that Kansas, because that was Lance Leipold's first year. And his their only other win that year was against FCS South Dakota. They didn't beat another team. They went two and ten that year. They were awful. But that night they beat Texas, who wasn't ready to play, fifty seven fifty six. And um, you know it was the as I said in the headlines, an exclamation point on a really bad season. Steve Sarkeesian got off to a rough start with the fan base and with the team. But I think it's fair to say that if you if you pull back a little bit and look big picture, he had a plan. And he rooted out guys who were, wanted to be on board and didn't. There was the story that year of Roshan Johnson stepping up at some point in the locker room and, uh, you know, becoming an advocate for the coaches and, uh, you know, compelling his guys, hey, either get on or get, get with us or get out. And that led to a lot of roster turnover that we've seen. And now here we are, year three, two years later, and Sark has one of the more talented teams in college football with you know, 60, 70 brand-new player, new players that weren't there that night. And that's why I think you heard him say in the headlines, there's no reason to look back. This team's got its future ahead of it. Is that not the most embarrassing home loss in Texas oh. history, though? If not the most embarrassing loss for sure. overall? Well, we can let the Texters decide. I don't think there's been a more— Was it I mean, worse than the Charlie Strong Kansas loss? No, that was, was that, there. that was there. Yeah. Yeah, that was there. That was at Kansas. Uh, so not as embarrassing. No, you said home loss. I mean, as far as home losses, it doesn't get much worse than that. Tom Herman also almost lost to Kansas a couple of years previous. And over, they won it over time, yeah, right? Yeah, pulled it yeah. out. Uh, or that would have been. Uh, but, you know, I can't think of another one more embarrassing. You know, Texas fans will talk about the Rice loss in the 90s down in Houston where they lost that game. But we hear this other uh, Sark audio because he added to that uh-huh, because he um, – you know, you heard what he said in the headlines that you know we don't we don't need to look back. You know we're different, they're different. We got This is this is a critical matchup in the Big Twelve. You know, winner of this game's in first place, and then you've got because that's where the Longhorns can be, right? They're, the Big Twelve is you win this game, you win the the next game. Win Saturday, the next two Saturdays, you're sitting in first place uh, with with uh, and giving the other two undefeated teams in your conference a loss. This is an opportunity. But here's a little more insightful uh, Zen kind of Sark talking about. You know that loss, what it meant to the program, what it meant to his his building of this program now into year three. We're a resilient group. You know, I think externally, it felt worse to some degree. You know, it hurts to, to lose any. As a competitor, it's never fun to lose. I don't care if it's, you know, ping pong, whatever it is, man. If you're going to compete at something, you're trying to win. And naturally, in that game, we didn't play as good as we would have liked. Um, they made some plays at critical moments. The game didn't go our way. Um, but in a, in, a, in a weird way, I'm kind of glad it happened, right? Because it exposed some warts in our program that needed to get removed. And if we hadn't removed those warts, we might not be where we are today in our program. And so sometimes, you know, not all storms come to, 
to, to cause, you know, issues in your life. Some storms come to clear the path. And I felt like that storm cleared a path for us on what we needed to do in our program to move forward. There it is. How about that? Not all storms, Ty, not all storms come to cause damage. They come to clear a path. How about that? He's going like Augie Garrido. Love that. Uh, but I think what he was saying is we needed to figure out who was with us and who wasn't and uh, clean that out and just, uh, you know, let our, give our program a wake-up call because we were still, a lot of guys in that locker room, playing with, a, with the arrogance that just because I wear a Texas jersey means I'm going to win. Uh, no, no, there's work that goes into that. There's, there's, uh, there's effort. There's the way you, your culture, the way you play. Just because you're playing at Texas and you have a scholarship doesn't mean you just walk on the field and beat people. You've got to work for it, and I think that's what he's talking about there. But uh, pretty good stuff from Sark. We'll hear from Lance Leipold coming up bottom of the hour. From a cultural standpoint, this team is completely different. I, 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 it doesn't even seem like Sark was the coach. Well, at that I, point, you know, I, because I, 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 I remember those years. I mean, that was, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago, but um, you know, he he came in with a definite plan, and he was saying, "Look, we're we're installing our our, our system once. Uh, we're not, you know, we're not going to, you know, lower our bar or our expectation to to the players. They're going to rise to us, and those who aren't are going to get out." And, you know, but then, you know, for fans, it was, you didn't know. You, you just had to trust. And this is a Longhorn fan base has been whiplashed with, with mediocre football for more than a decade at the time. And, you know, they're like, well, here we go again. Uh, but, you know, you do have to rebuild it to build back up. I really think that's, that's true. And they had to clean it. And Sark wanted to bring in his type of players. I mean, there's also the, the basic fact of phil- philosophically, his way of playing football was different than Tom Herman's. I mean, Tom Herman wanted tall receivers that weren't the fastest guys but could win battles, and you know he wanted lean, tall, big offensive linemen that could move. I mean, they couldn't have been more polar opposite offensively aligned than than Sark. Sark wants great big humans and you know speedy, fast receivers on the outside and uh, big lines of scrimmage. And so he's gone about building that. And again, I think the the program is is certainly headed in a great trajectory. Uh, at this point, and you know, off to the four zero start, and now you see a team that kind of looks like Sark envisioned, but it took a little bit of time to get there. I think Lance Leipold, same thing, right? That that's the cool part of this game is that night was a shock for Texas and a huge win for Kansas. But you know, both teams and both programs are heading a really good place because uh, you know I still think Texas by virtue, and the Vegas would tell you sixteen points as a favorite. They're still more talented than Kansas, but they got to show up and beat them. Because that's a much, much better uh, Kansas team than was here that night, without a doubt, because uh, they were 2-10 and 10 that year. Uh, so we won't look, look back. We'll look forward and start talking Texas and Kansas and the Big 12 and college football weekend. Uh, let me say one thing, and then because we said Lance Leipold coming up bottom of the hour, as Rod Babers is out this morning, his wife went into labor yesterday, so we'll get an update on that coming up. The, um, the Jalen Ford is the, the Reese's Senior Bowl Defensive Player of the Week nationally yesterday. I thought that was pretty cool. And how about this uh, tweet, uh, Ty, or X? Uh, that's We still call them tweets because it's, it's Twitter. I, I'm so confused by that whole thing. Was it supposed to be a zeet? That I don't know what it is. I don't mean. Ask they Elon. finally got tweet in the Webster dictionary, and ask then they Elon. changed the name. Yeah, I don't know. Well, so Jim Nagy is the head of the Senior Bowl, and I I quote him all the time from his tweets because I just think he's a really insightful guy. And that Senior Bowl is that All Star game they play in Mobile every January, where they bring in the top draftable players and you know get a week of practice in front of the NFL scouts. And actually, both teams are coached by NFL coaching staffs, and it, it's a good entree into the NFL draft. Uh, but Jim Nagy tweeted yesterday after uh, Jalen was named the Jalen Ford was named the the player of the week. Uh, he said, "Few things are harder for NFL scouts to find than one off-ball linebackers who can play on sub downs, so second and third down, sub package downs, and two defensive players who turn the ball over. Nobody in the 2024 draft fits both roles like Texas linebacker Jalen Ford." 
And there's a highlight of his interception there. So pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Ford's an every-down linebacker. Jalen Ford makes plays on first down in the run game and then can make plays on third, third down in the passing game, which is, Jim Nagy said, few things are harder for NFL scouts to find uh, a linebacker who doesn't really have to leave the field in this day and age, as Rod Babers has taught us of a positionless football, uh, he can stay on the field. And that's a, that's a, you know, as we talk about Texas and the building of this program, uh, I think that's a, a critical piece and conversation that with Jalen Ford illustrates what we're talking about. You know, they're doing a great job of adding five-star players. You know, we talked about Brandon Baker yesterday, the five-star lineman uh, from California. Colin Simmons, the five-star edge. Longhorns are, you know, one of the great reasons this program's on the rise is the talent acquisition, the bringing in players through recruiting and through the portal. But the reason that that's happening is, yes, NIL helps, but at the same time, the teams you're competing against have NIL money too. I mean, you know, Brandon Baker chose Texas over Oregon, Ohio State. Um, those get those. They've got NIL money to spend uh, and, and make happen as well. So I think development is a key part of it. I think the development of players is what. The players are noticing, as Rod has said many times, players want to come in, play on great teams with great players, play for championships, and they want to get developed to move on to the NFL. That's that's the mission. That's the goal. And if you can get a great degree and get uh, you know get get a great education while you're here, if you can do all those things, and that's what Texas is selling on the recruiting trail right now. And I think it's, it's resonating with players, uh, whether they're five star or three stars. But it's guys like Jalen Ford, who was a three star player out of Frisco. Who are it's being developed? That's being developed to his his best. Jeff Choate, the linebackers coach, uh, PK. You know, this is a guy who was not a high recruit, but now you got Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl talking about no player coming into this draft in April. Uh, nobody fits the roles of a an off ball linebacker who can play on sub downs and a defensive player who can turn the ball over. So what's what's Jalen Ford's measurables? How tall? I uh, six one and a half, six two. Is probably he going to have the size for that fall? Yeah, for for sure. What's a what's a good comp in your mind? Let me think about that as we get a timeout here coming. I'll think about a comp for Jalen Ford in the NFL I can't currently. Think of one. He's uh, I got there's a couple linebackers for the Chiefs that he reminds me of. Kansas City's got a couple guys. Bolton, uh, who's a good player. Maybe even like a Deion Jones who's play for the Falcons back. Well, he's six three two forty. I had him okay. on your side. So six three. I thought he was smaller than that for sure. Six three two forty. So yeah, he, you know, he's that's prototype for me right now in the National Football League. Uh, all right, uh, all right. This guy says that they're not called tweaks. Guys are called posts now. Posts on Twitter. It's always been a post. Yeah, I like it. This says, "Good morning, E. What's the more favorable seed for the Astros? They finish uh, if they finish on a winning streak, second seed with a bye, or sixth seed with a matchup against the Twins." That's a fair question. Astros got up off the deck last. I mean, the, the curiosity of the Astros. Like, a couple things on baseball. The Rangers, props to them, man. They've gotten hot at the right time. Bruce Bochy's pushing the right buttons, and they've won six in a row. And uh, they're it's just what it's about, right? Uh, you know, navigating the the marathon of a 162 game season, but then you know trying to peak and, and play your best baseball right about now. Rangers seem to be doing it. Curiosity for the Astros is what the hell? Why are they so good on the road and so bad at home? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, the, no one. I, I don't haven't heard anybody with an explanation for why they're thirty nine and forty two, three games under five hundred at Minute Maid Park, and they're forty seven and twenty nine on the road. I mean, they're almost twenty games better on the road, over five hundred than they are at home. Doesn't make any sense, but doesn't matter. They're a game and a half up on the Mariners. Look, I think that's a fair question. Thanks for sending it on the specs on the uh, text line. The um, you know I think you, you could the, the buy is nice to not have to play that that game. Uh, you know, early, but they're in the, you know you get the 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 time to to line your your pitching up and all that kind of stuff. Same time, 
to play the Twins would be the yeah, you know, I mean the Astros would love to play a you know a Twins team as the sixth seed. Just Car- being Carlos Correa revenge game. Yeah, just the uh, just being in the playoffs at this point for the Astros is fine because uh, how many games they, ahead of the the Mariners are they now? Game two? and a half. Game, game and, and a half. And with two games remaining in the series. Yeah, two more. Okay. Two more. So yeah, these become critical for the Mariners. But that was big last night because the Astros had been two and eight against the Mariners this year. They'll beat them, beat them twice out of the ten matchups. So they needed that one to just stop the bleeding, right? They needed a tourniquet last night because uh, they got swept by the Royals. They're sinking. The morale seems low. And Justin Verlander went out and uh, pitched a heck of a game. They got a big home run early from Jordan, and then another long home run into the restaurant by Kyle Tucker. Uh, those are the two guys they need to get going. If you can get Altuve, Jordan, and Tucker going, they can carry you offensively. And then this this does is is a team in a locker room full of championship DNA, and I think that uh, Verlander showed that last night. So lots to talk about. We'll get to these Monday night football games with the uh, Eagles improving to three and and0 joining Miami and San Francisco. Those are your three and and0 teams through three weeks. That's it. There's the that's the end of them uh, for sure. Also, some people texting in about the most embarrassing home loss uh, in reference to that Kansas game in 2021. So we said 99 loss to NC State. Yeah, I remember covering that game. I did the post-game show. That, they, had, they had three punts blocked in the same game. That was a Mac Brown team. This says uh, 66, Route 66, UCLA. Everything, everything else is run up. Yeah, that was embarrassing. Only thing positive about that game is that at that point you knew the season was over because it was early, it was September, and they got beat 66-3 to by UCLA. Uh, you knew the season was over, and you knew John Makovic was going to be let go. Uh, that, was, that was it. That was, uh, that was what year was that? 97. Uh, that was coming off of the first ever Big 12 championship. The Longhorns had won it, beat Nebraska. A lot of a lot of excitement about the program. And remember that that offseason got John Makovic fired because the big money donors came in and wanted to hire a top end defensive coordinator to go with John Makovic and Ricky Williams in the offense. And John Makovic arrogantly said no, uh, and he promoted his own guy Bobby Jack Wright to be the defensive coordinator. Um, you know that remember they Texas boosters and the the brass wanted Bob Stoops. They wanted to hire this up-and-coming young defensive coordinator but named Bob Stoops to come in and you know put him with, with John Makovic, offense, defense. Uh, Makovic said no, and when, when UCLA came to town and scored 66 points on their field, that was it for Makovic, and Mac Brown was hired the next year. Bob Stoops was then hired at Oklahoma, which led to the rivalry for as long as it was. All right, there's some Texas history. Good stuff. Appreciate that. Most embarrassing home losses. We're not thinking about that at this point. Longhorns thinking 4-0 and rising with a couple of undefeated games coming. Uh, we'll also come back and hear from Lance Leipold. Interested to hear this. He is the coach of the uh, Kansas Jayhawks. He was on the Jim Rome show yesterday here on this station, so we'll let you hear that. His thoughts on his team playing Texas and what's to come. Coming back here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hang Ty. Coming with some Jason Isbell. What are you trying to get on my good side? I like Jason Isbell. You know that album, Southeastern, which is a legendarily good album, uh, they're doing a reissue. It's a 10-year anniversary of that album, if you can believe that. Uh, back in 2013, Jason Isbell and that, that album. Then, so they're doing a, a release of a new 10-year edition with all kinds of additions. So be looking for that if you're a Jeff fan of Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. Great song, great album, uh, front to back, uh, as good as it gets as far as songwriting and uh, that kind of thing goes. All right, it is a Tuesday edition. Rod Baber's not here because, as he messaged me yesterday, he was on his way to the hospital. They were doing it right this time, or for real. And, uh, you know, they had the false alarm on Friday. 
And I just got this note from our man Rod Babers, and we're sending our uh, our prayers and thoughts to the family. Uh, she is here, uh, six pound eight ounces, born last night around eight fourteen. No name, still deciding. So uh, Rod is a father, Melissa his wife, uh, a mother for the first time. So congratulations to them. Life changing moment at uh, about eight o'clock last night. Baby girl, six pounds eight ounces. Rod says all doing well. Maybe we could, uh, doing well. we could ask the listeners for some name Not suggestions. Doing that. <laughs> We're going to have no and influence. Rodby's always down to let the people name his shows. Uh, maybe maybe his daughter? Well, maybe, uh, let's some suggestions. Why don't you try to guess what they will name their daughter? Okay. Because okay, that's fine. If you, if you hit it, if you have, a, if you have an idea, what, what you, you know, try to guess. And if you have one that really stands out, I, we're not, I'll, I'll send it to him. Because we're by all means not sending names to Rod. Hey, I Rod, will we got all if it's good <laughs> enough. I, I might have a suggestion if he hasn't decided. I'm sure, that's something. I, I mean, how long did it take you to decide the names of all, all three of your kids? Do you have them ready to go, or do you have to decide? After uh, you know, the fact? we knew all three sexes before the birth because I didn't. We were poor. We were too poor. I couldn't afford to like find out on on game day and then go out and buy everything for the nursery and stuff and clothes. We had to be. Prepping. I never thought about that. We had to be prepping the people. So the people that do that have the luxury of not knowing at that point. I that was just in my mind. I was like, "Babe, we don't have or enough. don't have the luxury of figuring out." We need out. to start, you know, with every, we need to start stockpiling some clothes and build the nursery out and that kind of stuff and the colors we want. We don't, we can't go out and do that afterwards. So yeah, we knew on all three, and I, 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 I think the first one, we yeah, we knew ahead of time. We had agreed on it, Griffin, uh, which for me that was Archie Griffin, right? You named well, it after Archie Griffin. Well, you just throw out names. You just well, that was a name I liked, and she liked it. It was like Graham. She liked she like Griffin, and then we we got to Griffin. Griffin. Griffin was Sorry, a good my, name. My little brother's named after Luke Skywalker. So it's, Luke, it's, nice. <laughs> well, and then in our second, we knew he was a boy, and that became Nolan, who you know works at the station. Uh, who's, who's, Nolan, Nolan Ryan, Ryan, of course. Then that helped because you know we, which you know, problem with her is my wife grew up around kids, and and, and she works in the in the school district. So if she ever had a kid that she didn't like that had a name even we liked, she wouldn't go there. She's like, no, we're not doing that. I hate that. I hate what that about name. Beyonce Babers? Beyonce Babers has been mentioned. I like that. Well, <laughs> send that to Rod. Just go Beyonce. Beyonce Babers has a great ring to it. Setting the bar high at a and very then, young age. And then the third, our daughter Meredith, that was that was her pick all the way. That was I had no say in that. It's, it was going to be Meredith. So it's like, fine. Because I have my, my grandmother was Mary on the uh, – the mom's side, so Meredith was a great name, and uh, those, yeah, we. I'm pretty sure we had them all three ahead of ahead of the game. I don't. I think my my mom. I don't. I don't. I don't think my dad had a had a say at all in my name. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to. I've I've thought about baby names. Well, I you can't know, wait to have kids. You know, I've told you. I've told you the story that my name, Aaron with an E, was I was spelled with an A for the first year or so of my life. Uh, it's true. I just, my, like my actual first birth certificate that. said A-A-R-O-N. And and your then, parents were just like, oh, we made a mistake no, I here. believe it was my grandfather who like encouraged my parents to, you know. The Gaelic. The more Irish spelling of the name. This was 1972. And my parents swear, I don't know if this is true or not because I was you know, not able to know, that uh, at that point the, the E-R-I-N spelling of the name was not as unique to to the female and then there was a character on the the really really popular tv show the waltons where one of the daughters was named aaron with an e and that really set it to where it became a female prototype the only the only people named with the with the e that i know are girls personally yeah well that's so. true and you that's me and me and that's fine and i, I, only, did, I only think i know like one or two with aaron so that's right aaron well and i did think about changing it when i got into radio but i was like whatever that's fine e's fine i'm good i'll live 
A boy named Sue. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, yeah, Rod, congratulations, my man. That's awesome. And Melissa doing well. That's great to hear. And uh, we'll get a name. Yeah, Beyonce Baber just says Sophia is a good one. Bella is a good name. Uh, Dion Babers. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. Well, of course, after primetime. I like that. Uh, one other note that we're going to hear from Lance Leipold, the coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, here this morning. And we'll take those names from you. How about our guy CB? Well, you mentioned Jalen Ford as the senior bowl, Reese's Senior Bowl's player of the game, uh, or the player of the week, uh, and comp, you wanted a comp for the NFL. And I mentioned Nick Bolton, the linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs, was immediately what popped into my head. And uh, somebody texted me and said, hey, just so you know, Nick Bolton also went to Frisco, was from Frisco, went to the same high school. So, And Nick Bolton plays for the Chiefs. He ended up leading the Chiefs in tackles last year, 180 tackles for them. He's not as tall as Jalen Ford, but, boy, they're, they're similar players to me. Didn't know they were both from Frisco, Texas. Pretty cool. Uh, all right, let's hear from this. Uh, Lance Leipold is the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. He was with Jim Rome yesterday. Here's how that sounded. Before we talk about this weekend, why don't we take a look back? You rallied from that three-point halftime deficit. You beat BYU in the Cougars' Big 12 debut. What was your biggest takeaway from the win? And then how pleased were you with the toughness and the grit that your team showed in the second half? Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head there. It was a toughness and grit. Um, we've challenged our guys that we needed to be more physical on both sides of the ball this season. They have. We had two de- defensive touchdowns in the game, uh, one by Kenny Logan right there to, to get us started in the second half. But, Jimmy, you know, the other part is the ex- the experience and poise of this group. You know, we're a pretty young football team two years ago, youngest Power 5 team in the country. And now that experience is, is taking over for us. And there was a presence in the locker room at halftime that really kind of helped us take over the second half. Now, Lance, you and I have talked about what you inherited and what you've built. And when you talk about the experience, is there now an expectation, an expectation that something good is going to happen as opposed to something bad is going to happen? And what's that? say about the culture that you've built well it it does it it says something about how our our players have responded and and to what we expect of them and they've worked extremely hard and i'm awful proud of them i'm proud of our our staff because we've gone in at halftime jim and 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 it's been like a morgan there and or a high level of frustration and now this group and through our leaders in our program have really taken over and and you see these type of uh changes uh, in the second half so that's exciting and uh now, now we got to be able to get back and go on the road, play an awful tough football team. Awfully tough football team. Lance Leipold joining us. You know, when you and I spoke back in April during spring practice, you said your quarterback, Jalen Daniels, belonged in the conversation of best quarterbacks in college football. It's really high praise given how deep the position is this year. He had another big game. He had three touchdowns. He had no INTs on Saturday. He's completing 75% of his passes this season. Is it time for Heisman voters to start paying more attention to what he's doing? Well, I think they're going to get a chance on Saturday, uh, you know, and that's going to be big for him and our football team. But, you know, he's to us, he's a pretty special player. And, I, and I'm watching some of those highlights there, his touch on what he's done. I said also in that game, Jim, I, I think he did a great job with his legs of uh, scrambling, keeping plays alive and getting us some key first downs. And, uh, you know, he's the leader of our offense and of our football team. And, and he's, you know, and he, I, we think he's an awful special player. All right, so we've been talking about Saturday. Since you referenced that, let me just jump ahead to it. You're going to face one of the most skilled teams in the country. You head to Austin to take on number three, Texas. An absolutely incredible challenge, but an amazing opportunity for Kansas. You're going for your first road win against a ranked opponent since 1995. I know you're watching film. What impresses you most about Texas as you break this thing down? 
Well, I think what what jumps at you offensively, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is one of the best play callers in the country. Um, we pride ourselves here, Jim, about the you know that we spread the ball around, a lot of personnel groupings, a lot of motions and shifts. They do the same thing, and they do an excellent job. And they've got speed and athleticism in every spot. A big up physical offensive line. Defensively, I think the biggest. Things that keep changing. I, I think their defensive fronts playing at a high level, very physical group, athletic all over in the back seven. So, as you said, what a great opportunity for 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 the Kansas Jayhawks to go down there and being ranked and playing a ranked team such as such as the Longhorns. I mean, it's incredible, Lance. Going back to your offense for a minute, I think you guys also have a lot of balance and do a lot of things really well. It goes without saying, it, as much pride and as grateful as you are to have the quarterback that you have, it also helps to have a solid running attack. You guys pounded out 221 yards on the ground, led by Devin Neal, who had 91 yards against BYU. How pleased are you with his play specifically and the work of the big dudes up front? Well, you know, again, Devin, Devin's probably, you know, the if Jalen's 1A, he's 1B in this thing because of his abilities um, to carry the ball. Um, but the thing he does, he's a complete back now. He, he's been able to make plays in the receiving game. He's a solid pass protector. But again, he's the threat because for us to be effective, as you said, we want to be balanced. But uh for a third-year player, he's playing at a high level once again. We have his backup is back healthy, and Daniel Highshaw and Daniel's averaging close to seven yards of carry as well. So the one-two punch of those guys are going to be needed. But again, uh, uh, again, a, a nice compliment to what Jalen and our passing game does. We're talking Jayhawk football, huge matchup, Kansas at Texas coming up this weekend. You know, you beat me to it. I was going to ask you about the defense, and you mentioned that yourself off the top. College football obviously is so so much about high scoring and offenses that are high octane and high powered. It seems to me defensive achievements do get overlooked. Your team forced those three BYU turnovers. The defense did score. 14 points in other words a huge day for your defense is this one of the most opportunistic defenses that you've coached and then what's working best on that side of the ball in your mind well well that's a loaded one you know I I think it's right up there right now and and again we haven't been that type of defense in our first two seasons and we've made an emphasis on the physicality and being more aggressive um the nice thing is, is the the whole back seven is back um, you know, for two straight years, uh, Kobe Bryant was just named Big 12 Defense Player of the Week. You know, he he had the interception and the forced fumble for a touchdown. You know, he was. You know, we played with three guys in the secondary down in Austin two years ago, Jim, and, and I don't know if anybody weighed over 165 pounds. This group has grown. They've matured. They've become stronger, and the game slows down for them a little bit, and they're taking advantage of it with some aggressiveness. You know, Lance, you talk about, and because you and I have had conversations, I'm really amazed, not amazed, I'm really intrigued by the transformation of the program. Every coach I talk to talks about culture. I'm curious how this works. Like, do you get a complete buy-in from the players and then the wins naturally follow, or do you only get that complete buy-in after you have the wins? Which comes first, or can you not have one without the other? I don't know if you can have one without the other. I, I think what this program went through that really helped us was they found that we were going to hold them accountable with structure and accountability on and off the field in every facet of their life. And it was going to be consistent. And I think that's what young men want. They want to be treated fairly, coached. They want to be given the opportunity. But we were going to hold them accountable from class attendance and tutoring 
from uh, weigh-ins with the nutritionists to themselves in the weight room. And then when they start seeing some improvement, maybe personally or holistically as a team, some of that buy-in really skyrockets. And I think that what that's what a line for us right now. I was going to say, it sounds holistic to me is what that is. So Lance, you know how this goes, right? You were rewarded with that contract extension in November. It runs through the 2029 season. But when I say you know how this goes, what I mean is big-time college sports, the more success you have, the more your name is going to get connected to coaching openings. This time it's Michigan State. I know you're focused on Texas, and because of that, you don't want distractions of any sort. So how do you handle the speculation internally? In other words, is it something you address with your players, who I'm guessing probably have come across it on social media? Um, Well, I was hoping we'd get through this interview, Jim, without that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, of course, I know you're going to be on top of it. But, you know, I haven't at this time because that's all speculation and all those things. They know from last year how myself, my wife, our staff feels about being in Lawrence, Kansas. We have um, unfinished business here. We have great support from our athletic director, Travis Goff, our chancellor, Doug Gerard, and it's the best alignment I've ever been a part of. And uh, and then we've got a new stadium on the horizon. We've got new facilities. We've done some renovations. And right now we're going to focus on making this the best football program it can possibly be. All right, there's Lance Leipold. Good stuff right there. The uh, One of the best coaches in all of college football, I think. He's done an amazing job at Kansas. And you just heard Jim Rome ask him about maybe with Michigan State's issues with Mel Tucker that uh, they're – eyeing him and he's focused on texas the longhorns in kansas in a critical big 12 matchup on saturday at 2 30 obviously we'll talk about it all week long but wanted to bring that to you here early in the week obviously texas looking at uh, this kansas team both programs headed in positive trajectories to say the least longhorns ranked third in the country uh kansas now ranked and undefeated at number 24 hey quick note come on out and join us on saturday we'll be out at uh, the mockingbird saloon for our pregame show brought to you by bud light enjoying some icy cold bud lights getting ready for that 230 kick it's gonna be warm Unfortunately, we'll be into the month. I mean, wrapping up the month of September here. Uh, temperatures should still be in the 90s for that game. But uh, come on out, join us in the air conditioning at the Mockingbird Saloon. We'll be out there noon to two, getting ready for the 2:30 kickoff over at the stadium. Noon to two, Mockingbird Saloon with Bud Light. Whatever you're doing for the game this week, the games, the Monday night football games last night, do it with the icy cold Bud Lights. It's America's. Uh, it's of course brewed in Texas by Texans for Texans. It's the official domestic beer of the Texas Longhorns, the Texas Texans, and the Texas OU game. Hook them. We're coming right back. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook 'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Time for Just the Facts. And what the facts here on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. Uh, and it's a fact, Rod Babers is a father. That's a fact now. Rod Babers and his wife, Melissa, have had uh, given birth to a baby girl last night. Six pounds, eight ounces, as Rod confirmed to us. So congratulations to uh, Dad. That's a uh, whole new thing when you start. When people start calling you Dad. That is a uh, game changer, obviously, in your life. And uh, good for Rod, and they're going to do great as parents, which is uh, pretty darn cool. We're also uh, It's also a fact that he's uh, joining me now, Nick Shuley, our man from the Live Music Update, Austin, uh, Set List Austin, of course. The uh, president of the, of the live music movement here in Austin, Texas, but also lifetime Longhorn, avid sports fan, and uh, 
We were just at, it's a fact, you were at Royale Ivy's wedding over the weekend, the great lifetime Longhorn basketball player. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I was prepared for for something legendary because because uh, Royale's got. Uh, he's all man. He's always uh, doing something cool, and so I knew this one. This was going to be pretty fun. <laughs> now you went went to UT and you lived with Royale and some some hoopsters back in the day. And you you texted me that you were the shortest person at the wedding. Oh, easily. Like <laughs> I, like every every video I have looks like I'm standing on a chair because I basically was like just like you know trying trying to get a trying to get a video of Roy on the dance floor. Anybody know that? Anybody that knows Roy knows that he went to high school on a uh, art scholarship at an art school there and uh, he because he was a dancer and so Roy is, is that right he is the most incredible dancer and so I mean like he he was pulling out like I have a video of him dancing to a uh, Belbib DeVoe's poison we got to put that and, out yeah <laughs> we put that out? he's gonna kill me uh but yeah it is it's pretty incredible Ty, we need clicks <laughs> Uh, I I mean, now I did not know that. Now the wedding was in the Bronx at the Botanical Gardens in in New York City. Yes, which yeah. is where he's from. I did not know that Royal Ivy went to school in high school on a dance scholarship. Yeah, well, I don't know if it was a scholarship, but it was definitely like he he showed he showed like promise in the arts, and so that was that was why he ended up at at the at the school he went to. I can't remember what what high school did he go. Some to? people have some saying, said the same thing about me. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, promise in the arts. <laughs> oh, I like that, dude. What what art? What is your uh, art of I mean, choice? I'm, I was a state champion vocalist, singer, uh, I, singer. Is that for real? I mean, not me personally, but the choir. Was the choir he was in. Someone I knew once. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was. I could have gotten a ring. So but, I didn't uh, know that. So I need, we need to post this it? video of Royal Ivy dancing. Was it was it a large wedding? There, uh, yeah, it was. It was a pretty big wedding. It was. It was cool though. It was. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's played in the NBA forever and and has a lot of friends there, and like it, it was just a fun. What he had everybody from, I don't know, Kevin Durant, Charlie Villanueva, like there were all these all these NBA guys, and everybody was on the dance floor having fun. It was it was just a cool wedding. Somebody somebody else posted a video of him and uh, KD dancing that was uh, that was pretty cool. It was it was just a, man, it was a fun time, and and the dance floor was like crazy. He had a DJ that was like a a legit New York DJ that was like yelling out like drops while the songs were playing, and like it was cool. He's like, he, uh, he, I just remember him like Charlie Villanueva was getting after it for a while, and he the guy was like calling him out. It was cool. That's awesome. Well, more stories from Nick uh, from Royal Ivy, Ivy's wedding. He's coaching with the Rockets now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, Udoka brought him brought him down to to coach there. Yeah, so he's he close to Udoka now, which is pretty cool. And he, he was coaching international basketball too, Royale. Yeah, he took South Sudan to the to the World Cup. They, I believe, they won Africa, and then they won two games at the World Cup, so they qualified for the Olympics for the first time ever. Which there was a he's going to be Royale's going to be a head coach in the NBA, one hundred percent. And and he's just he's one of those guys that if you I've gone to obviously a bunch of his games, and and you you watch before the game, and everybody on the other team comes by and says what's up to Roy because he's just he's like a legendarily nice guy. I always tell Brad Buckman, who lived with me at the time, that uh, Royale was uh, easily the best roommate I ever had because Royale, uh, Royale would cook, he would clean, he did everything, man. He, he taught me how to make chicken tacos originally. Like He's the man. Uh, you're the man, Nick. Nick Shirley is here. What the facts? There you go. We'll get more wedding stories. and we gotta, I'm going to pry that video of you. <laughs> I mean, when you say Roy, uh, Royal Ivy dancing to Belle Bib of DeVoe <laughs> on his own wedding, i got to see that. There's got to be better I think better our, people, our people have to see that. So we're going to put that out. Uh, once we can get it off of your phone, that's pretty cool. People are also <laughs> guessing the name of Rod Baber's baby girl. I, I told I told Ty I'm not sending these to Rod. We're just we'll just play a game. And <laughs> Beyonce get, Babers. Beyonce Babers is already my favorite. That's awesome. I think I, that's one of those where you know it's a collaborative with your wife. I, I think Rod would like that. I don't know if Mel would like that. I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, Joe DeAndra, Lee, DeAndra Babers. 
DeAndre? Or Dion. Dion, because he, he grew up in a huge Dion Sanders as his idol. Uh, Jolene was mentioned. Um, this says Ma, Melania Dawn Babers. Okay, CD Babers. Oh, like CD Lamb. I like that. That's a Cowboy fan. Uh, weighing in. Hey, some other just the facts. Uh, Jalen Hurts last night for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles scored his 29th career rushing touchdown already in his young career, passing Cam Newton for the most rush TDs in a quarterback's first 50 games. So he's got the most ever in 29 games. And uh, came, one of them came on that, that came on that quarterback sneak, that tush push, which is now his 10th on the quarterback sneak alone as they've got that victory. And uh, we'll talk about that game coming up because we've talked a lot of Longhorn and, and Kansas this hour. We'll get into that because, uh, you know, Cowboys took a loss. Dan Quinn was pretty furious yesterday up there at the Star Complex. Eagles weren't, you know, uber impressive last night, but that game was 25-3. 20, 20, uh, to 3. And they the Buccaneers scored a late touchdown to make it 25-11. to 11. That, was, that was in control. That wasn't... Uh, I don't, know, I don't think there's anything not to like about that if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan. One stat from that game, uh, we said it when it happened in April. When the Philadelphia Eagles traded up and ended up with the ninth pick in the draft and took, remember, we, we, we do talked all draft prep that they were going to take Bijan, and all Cowboy fans were feel for they were getting Bijan in Philadelphia, and they were going to have to deal with that. Well, that didn't happen. He went to Atlanta, and then the Eagles had the 10th pick, and they traded up to nine to secure Jalen Carter, the game record from Georgia. Nick, this guy's a problem. This guy is a problem. Uh, playing, he's playing next to Jordan Davis now, the other Georgia tackle from that national championship team two years ago. Of course, they've gone back-to-back, but he wrecked another game last night. He played only less than 50% of the snaps last night against Tampa. He had five pressures, half a sack, two quarterback hits, forced to fumble. That guy's a problem uh, up front, for the, and the Cowboys have to deal with that. they got to get their, their offensive line healthy in Dallas. They're going to be dealing with this team for years, and as a Cowboys fan, it's tough to watch how well they've built that team and how scarily they're lining up for the future. Yeah, this way said, and the Eagles burned the last nine minutes. But yeah, that's that's they have an identity. That's the thing I'll say about the Eagles. They know who they are and what they are. They're a big physical team with a physical quarterback who can hit explosive plays because they're wearing you out. And then you've got uh, A.J. Brown, and you know, A.J. Brown dropped a touchdown pass. It could have been another one for them. Uh, this says Eagles look beatable this year. Well, look, I mean, it's a it's, long season. So do the Cowboys. So <laughs> Yeah, the Cowboys took a punch. That's my squad. Yeah, well, that's your team. And they uh, they didn't show up. And that's what I'll say about the, the Eagles. They showed up on the road against a team that had been 2-0 and and beat them pretty comfortably. Uh, and Jalen, they, they, they know what they are. They're built on their lines of scrimmage. They lean into that. They lean into their quarterback. Um, so, yeah. All right, well, we'll come back. Uh, Nick's going to hang with us as long as he can throughout the morning. We'll give Royale Ivy stories. We'll reset the Longhorns in Kansas. We'll talk Cowboys out of week two. What do we take from it? Also, uh, the baseball last night out the Astros and Rangers final wins. Get your details on that coming up. It's Ian uh, Rodby. Hook him up. Congrats to Rod. Now a daddy.